Welcome to the Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Laconia campus. So last week, Pastor Mark talked about or preached on how we are part of a family, how we are members of God's family. Well, I have to announce there's a new member of the Butler family. Now, my wife's not pregnant. It's different than that. It's a lot different than that. These are all fingerprinty. Two days ago, I was, uh, went out to my car in the morning to, to get ready to go out for the day, and I heard this crying noise, which sounded like a bird. It was, and, and it was making this, this crying sound like, ah, ah. And it sounded like a bird in the springtime when a baby bird's born. And I thought, oh, that's kind of strange because it's not springtime anymore. And uh, it sounded like it was coming from around our garage area. And uh, it was really loud. It was this desperate, this desperate cry. And I thought, hmm, that's strange. So, you know, I went about the day and I came back home and I got out of my car and I could still hear it. And I said, man, that is just, whatever that is, the poor little thing's in pain and just, and so I went in the house and I, and we had the windows open. I could still hear it. So I went back outside to go explore, to go investigate what this is. So I went over to the, the shed garage area. We have this detached garage and our neighbor named Jen, she has uh, access to the garage. We have a uh, townhouse. And so she uses the garage. We use the shed. So I went over towards the garage, and I could hear it. And it sounded like it was coming from the garage. And there's a side door with a window. So I, I peeked inside, and I couldn't see anything. But it, I could hear it, and it sounded like the crying was coming from right where the, the crack of the door was on the bottom. And I was like, what is that thing? And so I tried opening the door, and it was locked. And so then I went over to the uh, garage door, and I reached out, and I gave it a little tug, and it seemed like that was locked too. So I gave it a harder tug, and then it opened up. <laughs> and so then when I opened up the door, I saw this little kitten that was about the size of my hand. It was this little, this little, little, little gray tiger kitten that couldn't be more than three weeks old, covered in sawdust, and it was sitting there crying. And so my wife was out in the yard, and so I called her over and said, Carrie, Carrie, come over here, come over here. Now, a little over a month ago, my friend Levi, I was talking to him on the phone, and he said to me, hey, my cat just had a, a litter. Do you want a kitten? And I thought, yes, I want a kitten. I love cats. And so I, I talked to my wife, Carrie. He even sent me a picture to show her. It was a, a little uh, orange tabby, uh, orange cat. And so I was like, Carrie, look at this little kitten. Can we get a kitten? She was like, we are never getting another cat. We have one cat right now, and she likes this cat, but she, you know, there are cat people and dog people, right? And she's like, no, we're not getting another cat. And she was definitive about this, <laughs> definitive. And I was like, oh. I want one. And she's like, no. So I found this little cat. It's like, Carrie, come over here. And as she was coming over, I'm thinking, my heart was starting to sink. And I'm thinking, you know what? I don't want to get my hopes up. 
So, as you know, we have a one-year-old, right? So the mommy gene is still active. <laughs> so she comes around the corner, and she sees this little precious little thing, and she rushes in there, and she grabs it, and she holds it up like this, and she goes, of course we'll keep you. <laughs> She's like, you need a family, right? And so I'm like, Yes. So now we have this little three-week-old kitty cat that we think we're going to name him Moses. I'm not sure, but I think Moses is a good name for him because was, Moses was rescued too as a baby. So we have little baby Moses, and the kids are pumped, right? You, they have a twinkle in their eye right now. They're just so excited about this, this little kitten, and they all want to help. They all want to help to take care of the cat. And so uh, last night we loaded, actually it was the night before, the night when we found it, we loaded in my little PT cruiser that John calls the sneaker <laughs> and we drove to Petco and we got a little, uh, a bottle, like a baby bottle for, for animals to feed it. My friend Levi came over, he brought over some goat's milk and we're like bottle feeding the thing. And, and so, you know, we have a little crate with sawdust and so forth and it's out on our porch. So, you know, we're all excited about this cat, and we didn't let it in the house, um, and we still haven't let it in the house yet because we, we wanted to take it to the vet and make sure anything was, there wasn't anything wrong with it. So yesterday morning, uh, I decided to take the cat out, and I was playing with it, and it's cute, and I flipped it over, and I noticed a bunch of uh, flea dander, you know, the little black stuff. I was like, oh... It probably has fleas. And on the surface, it didn't look like it had fleas, but I saw the dander. And you, when you see the dander, you know there's, there's fleas. So I went and I got a bucket and I got some baby soap and uh, I, gave, I gave the thing a bath. And yeah, actually had a lot of fleas. The poor little thing. And, and as you dunked it in the water, you could, you could see the fleas like come out. And, and I know it's so sad. So I spent almost my whole day yesterday, bathing this little kitten, pulling off fleas with tweezers. And the cat surprisingly allowed me to do this. I mean, usually cats are little wiggle worms, but this thing was, was so just needed to be held and needed just, and it just allowed me. It just sat in my hand and, you know, pulling it off and I just love the attention. And while I was doing this, I, I started talking to God, and I said, you know, I was like, God, you know, I really wanted to work on my sermon a little bit, and I wrote it um, really two weeks ago and typed it out last Monday, and usually I like to look at it before I preach and just to, you know, kind of prep, and I was, I was a little frustrated, actually. Although I loved it, I was like falling in love with this cat. I was still, it's like, I have so much to do today, and I have all these things, and I'm sitting here with this cat for five plus hours working on this cat because we took this cat into our family. Because when my wife said, of course we'll keep you, you need a family, then she was making a statement that now we are responsible for this little animal, that we are going to make sure that this cat becomes what it was made to be, an adult kitten or adult cat. And whatever it takes to make sure that this thing is healthy, we're going to do within reason. Um, so we, you know, so I'm sitting there and I'm picking the fleas off and, and I heard God just say in my heart, this is your sermon. 
that this cat is your sermon. You see, because my sermon is about being members of the family of God. See, Mark last week preached about, he said, well, you know, we're, we're in a family together. And my sermon is about, well, how do we live as family members? Like, what is our responsibility as family members? So with this cat, right, in taking this cat in, we have responsibility for this cat. Now, I could take that cat and say, well, you know what, has fleas, whatever. I'll just let it have the fleas on it. Who would do that? I mean, I would be cruel if I did that. Now, I have a responsibility for this cat. And as members of the family of God, we have responsibility as, as a member of the family. It's just like when you were growing up as a kid. You couldn't, you know, you had chores to do, right? Everyone? Yeah? You, you couldn't get away with just existing in your family. And especially if you have a big family or you grew up in a big family, like each kid, as a, the kids end up taking care of the kids <laughs> eventually as they get older. Now look at, we have three, and my oldest one, he does an amazing job of helping to take care of uh, Jacob. So each member of the family has a responsibility, and our responsibility is this, okay? Our responsibility is to walk and live in such a way that each member of the family grows and matures, and that the family itself grows as a unit. So as a member of the family of God, we have a responsibility for each member of the family to grow and become like Jesus. Like, for example, we're all like those cats. We're all like this little kitten. When we first come to know Jesus, we are in this state of, of we know nothing. We can barely survive. We were rescued by God. And many of us wouldn't probably even be alive if it wasn't for what God did in our lives. And he rescued us from death and brought us into life. Just like when I found this cat, I rescued this little kitten and brought it into life. But it doesn't just stop there. We need to be dunked in water. And we need to have the fleas picked off us. We need to be fed milk. And we need to mature into someone who's Christ-like. And that takes a community of people. That takes family members who are willing to walk alongside, who are willing to, to take six hours to sit down with you and wrestle through the junk and pick off fleas. You know, as I was picking off the fleas, it was gross. It was messy. And occasionally I could see one would jump on my shirt and I'd have to grab it. And it, who wants to be that. You know what I mean? But that's what it's like in the relationship with each other, that it's messy. And that's ministry. That's what we're called to do. That's what the family members are called to do. We are called to grow the family of God. Now, the apostle Paul, in the book of Ephesians, he wrote about this. And he wrote about his calling and our calling. And I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3, if you have your Bibles.
So the Apostle Paul, before he became a Christian, he was a religious zealot. He was somebody who was promoting himself. He was somebody who spent his entire life, up until he met Jesus, chasing after his own dream and building his own life and pursuing his own education. And if we're honest with ourselves, that's us. That we all have lives, we all have things that we want to accomplish in life. We have family and we, have, we devote ourselves to cultivating a life. And Paul had his life. And he was, you know, so passionate about pursuing his dream of, of what he wanted to be. To the point where he was actually uh, trying to kill anybody that would get in the way of that happening. You see, Paul actually killed Christians before he became a Christian. That's crazy. And he thought he was serving God and doing it. Kind of like somebody in ISIS. So you have this guy who was a religious zealot who went to the equivalent of Bible college, who went to seminary, who continued on after that, got his doctorate, um, and lived his life for himself to promote himself working for a title, and he was in opposition to God, and he lived that life until one day where he met God, and God rescued him from destruction. Whether he knew it or not, he was killing himself. He wasn't just killing Christians. And Jesus met him in a vision, because this was after Jesus had died uh, and rose from the dead. So Jesus, Jesus came to Paul and blinded him knocked him off his horse, literally, and, and showed him that the life that he was living was completely contrary to what God had for him. He was in direct opposition to God, that he was fighting against what God was doing, that in trying to live for himself, he, he was actually fighting against God. And so as he saw this, and then he experienced the grace, love, and mercy of Jesus, He actually committed his life to following Jesus to the point of making himself a slave of God, he would say. That he he gave everything. He picked up his cross and he decided to follow Jesus for the rest of his life. And in chapter 3, verse 7, we pick up where he says that of this gospel, the gospel of the good news, the gospel that Jesus died for our sins, the gospel that he experienced firsthand, when Jesus knocked him off the horse and, and showed him really who he was and what he was striving for. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace. Now, minister is the word diakonos, which is servant. So Paul was commissioned or called by God to be a servant, to place himself under to put his needs and wants and desires, his hopes and dreams, what he was trying to do with his life off to the side and say, God, I trust you with this. I want to do what you have for me. And he did that because of the grace that God showed him. He says, according to the, to the gift of God's grace, God was merciful to him and showed him that he was on the wrong path and set him on the right path. And he said, 
which was given to me by the working of his power, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, he recognized that I, I, was, I deserved death. He should have been sent to prison and executed for what he was doing. He was out murdering Christians. But God showed him mercy and grace. And as a result, God called him. He said, to me, though I'm the very least of all these saints, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. You see, Paul was called by God to grow the family of God. He was called by God to share the gospel with the Gentiles. Now, the Gentiles are basically the entire world apart from the Jewish people. So God gave Paul the least of all the saints, the one who was least deserving, the one who was all about his own agenda, who was in direct opposition to living for God. He called that man to be responsible for, to spearhead this mission of growing the family of God throughout the entire world. That is a huge task. That is a massive undertaking. And I'm sure that Paul, if, he, if he's anything like us, he probably thought to himself, hmm, <laughs> yeah, right. You're calling me after what I've done to help spread the gospel throughout the entire world? I can't do this on my own. I don't even know if I want to do this. But in response to God's grace that he showed him, he committed his life to it. He devoted himself to it. And he knew at the same time that this wasn't just for him, that this mission was for every Christian. See, every Christian is called to go out and make disciples across the earth, to the ends of the earth. In other words, every Christian is called to grow the family of God. You following me? And when I say grow, I'm talking about maturity, and I'm talking about the size of the, the family. So to grow in maturity is to help somebody become like Jesus. You teach them how to become like Jesus. It's just like parenting. Kids don't just grow up and become uh, productive, healthy adults on their own. You can't just set them aside, lock them in a room, and hope that they're going to grow. It's like with the cat, right? This, this is hard. This is something God showed me. When I was working on that cat and I was picking the fleas off, he showed me that uh, if I were to treat this cat the way that um, most Christians, including myself, treat baby Christians, hear this now. This is hard. That I would take the cat, I'd put it in a box, I'd put a lid on it, and then I'd come back a week later, open the box, and see how it's doing. Right? That's real. And I was super convicted by that. But God hasn't called us to treat baby Christians that way. God hasn't called us to treat each other that way. Because even if you've been a Christian for 20 years, compared to Jesus, you're still a baby Christian. Right? John Brevere, this really great preacher, said this. I was listening to a sermon from him the other day. He said that when Jesus returns, we will be like him. 
Now, one of us has to change, and it's not going to be him, right? And we have a long way to go to become like him. Oh, to be like him, to give all I am just to know him. We need each other to pick fleas off of each other. When I was cleaning that cat and I was dunking it in the bucket, God showed me that the water that I was dunking it in was helping the fleas to fall off. I put some lemon juice and baking soda. And the Bible talks about how the word of God regenerates us. That we are changed by the washing and the regeneration of the word. That, it, that as we dive into God's word, that it changes us that it makes us more like Jesus as we read it and, and digest it and understand it. But the problem is most of us don't know how to read this. You, you don't automatically know how to read God's word. You need someone to teach you to read God's word. It's like we don't expect an elementary school kid or someone in kindergarten to automatically know how to read. A teacher comes alongside them that knows how to read and, show, and teaches them the process of reading. And it's the same thing with God's word. It's like leaving a cat in the box for a week and coming back and taking the lid off and saying, oh, how you doing? And I feel like that's how we treat each other. That's how, wherever you're at along the spectrum of becoming like Jesus, that's how we treat each other. And that's hard. And I think, I think we do this for two reasons. I think there are two excuses that we make. For, that we make. And this is hard. This is either... One, we don't think we're able, or two, we don't really want to. We don't have the desire to help somebody along this process. I want to deal with the first one first. We don't think we're able. This is normal for all of us. Because most of us, if we're honest, struggle in our own walk with God. We, we, we don't read the Bible every day, and, you know, if we're... On a good day, we might toss up a couple prayers. And, and so we think, what do I have to offer? If I can't figure this thing out on my own, what do I have to offer somebody else? Your ability to disciple somebody is not a fleshly ability. It's a supernatural ability. You see, Paul knew that people that we would struggle with this calling. So he prayed for us. And this prayer reveals the solution to the, these two obstacles. Feeling like we're not able and not having the desire. So he prays for our spiritual strength so that we can walk alongside him in this calling. And here's what he prays. He says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, the Heavenly Father, the Father of the family, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Meaning that this God the Father is God over the family of God throughout the entire earth. This is a global family. That according to the riches of his glory, how rich is God? Oh yeah. And how rich is his glory? I mean, God, God is phenomenal, endless. Elaine said when we were praying this morning, it, she said, God, you are delicious. <laughs> Which I was like, yes. Yeah. Come on now. 
according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. If you are a believer in Christ, you have his spirit inside of you. We talk about this very often, but sometimes I don't know if we believe it. The same spirit that was inside of Jesus is inside of you. And he said, we'll do greater things. And that he's able to bring to remembrance the things that he's taught us. And so he gives us the effective ability to walk alongside somebody to help them to become like Jesus. We can't make excuses because it's not about our own strength. It's about his strength. And the word power that's used there is the same word for dynamite. It's dunamis. It's the same word in English, dynamite, or it's uh, a machine in, in uh, physics class. If you ever took physics class, a dynamo is something that gives you th- the ability to do something that you couldn't otherwise do. So he gives us, the, he strengthens us and gives us the power to do what he's called us to do. You have it in you to help somebody to become more like Jesus. You have it in you to help somebody to, to mature spiritually, at least up to the point where you are in your spiritual development. So everyone can have a part in helping somebody grow. And that's what it means to be part of a family. When I look at my kids and they try to help with, let's say, baby Jacob, now Maddie can't do as much as, Jacob, as uh, Luke in helping with baby Jacob. But man, if I need a diaper or something, I'll send Maddie. Maddie, go get a diaper. And boom, she's off. It's like, I'll time you. She's like, okay. One, two, and she's off. You know, we can all, we all have the ability to play a part in helping somebody grow and to become more like Jesus. So that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with the power through the spirit in your inner being. So the idea that we're not able, that's wrong, off the table. We have to get rid of that excuse. Tear it up. It's gone. Okay. Now the second obstacle is, this is a harder one. I don't think we want to. Think about that. I don't think we have the desire to do it. And I think we lack the desire for a bunch of different reasons. One of them is somewhat legitimate. We're tired. Like when you go to work all day and, and you, you work really hard and, and you come home, there's nothing left in the tank or there's not much left. And whatever's left, we give to our own family and we feel like that's all I have to give. So what else can I do, God? Like this is, this is all I have left, okay? And there's a whole host of other reasons. Maybe it's because we just want to do our own thing. And, and this is just enough to come on a Sunday and, th- and then that's all I want to do. So Paul prayed this. He said, I grant that you might be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now having Christ in your heart, having Christ in your inner being changes the environment of your heart. It changes your heart. Now the word dwell in Greek means abode, a dwelling place, a living place. A house, the environment of a house is set by the people who live in the house. Tracking with me here? Okay, so if you go to visit somebody and you spend time in their house, what their house is like is going to tell you something about the person who lives there. Okay, 
and the, the overall atmosphere, it's all affected by the one who lives in the house. Now, if God is love, and Jesus is love, and Jesus loves the family of God, and he's living in your heart, what's going to be the environment of your heart? You're going to love the people of God. He can put that in there. God is in the business of changing hearts. We just have to ask him. And when we realize that we don't have the desire, we kneel down and pray and say, God, give me the desire. I want more of you. I want more of you. Take charge of my heart. Because he's in there. But is it his house or your house? Come on now. And then he says this. I love this. This is one of my favorite prayers. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, meaning that as Christ is in your heart, and he's setting this environment of love, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God." Paul is praying that we would understand how much God loves us and how much he has done for us. So when Paul was living life on his own and and God met with him and knocked him off the horse and forgave him for murder, for murdering Christians and, and set him on a different path, he became overwhelmed with the love grace and mercy of God and was willing to put his entire life on the table and saying, God, I don't deserve this. So whatever, however many years you give me, it's all yours. When he realized how much God loved him, he just put it all on the table. My life's not my own. And Paul is praying that we, each one of us would have a revelation of how much God loves us a revelation of God's mercy and grace and forgiveness in our lives so that we'd be willing to do the same as Paul, that we would be able to go and be ministers, to be servants of those who need God in their life. And it's going to be messy. Paul was called to the Gentiles. Paul was called to those that the Jews saw as dogs, as ones who weren't even worthy, who like that cat covered in fleas who would have died without our intervention. People outside these walls in this community are just like that cat. We, in many ways, are just like that cat. Apart from the mercy of God operating through his people, people die in sin. People are killing themselves through drugs and addictions. And if we're honest with ourselves, most, some of us would be dead right now if it wasn't for, if somebody came and shared the gospel with you. God, Paul, is praying that God would give us a revelation of his love for us so that we would be willing, we'd have the desire to live out the calling of growing the family of God. So I'm running out of time. So I'm gonna go quick on this. He wraps up his prayer this way, 
Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. We doubt the ability of God and we struggle. Paul was called to share the gospel with the entire world. And like I said, I imagine that he thought to himself, there's just no way this ragtag group of, of Jewish converts is going to be able to take this gospel and spread it throughout the entire world. Well, 2,000 years later, it has. The word of God in Christianity is, is throughout the entire globe. And it all started with just a few individuals who had a calling on their life, who were willing to set aside their own hopes and dreams, believing that God had a hope and dream so much better, and walk out their calling. And they didn't make excuses about ability. They didn't make excuses about desire. They laid it all out there and said, God, change my heart. Use me. Use me to help the family of God grow. Use me in, in a community of believers to help each member become more like Jesus. Because that is our calling. And he says in the beginning of chapter 4, I therefore, and this, is, this theme carries throughout the rest of Ephesians. So I want to encourage you to read 4 and 5, and, and you'll see the unfolding of how to live out this calling of growing the family of God. He says, I therefore, prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. What is he saying? He's saying, now that you know this, now that you know what your calling is, now that you know that you are called to grow the family of God, he's saying, live it out. Live as family members. Don't just be family in theory. Because it's easy to say you're family, but not actually do it. Because it's like, we're family, wink. And then we have our family. No, this is family. We need to act as family. We need to help each other grow and mature. So he's saying, walk it out. And throughout chapter 4, he talks about how we all have spiritual gifts. And I preached on that a couple months ago. You can find it somewhere online. Um, and how we all have these spiritual gifts that are, you know, God gives us to help each other grow. And at the end of talking about spiritual gifts, he says this, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, ministry servant, to be servants. He gave me to equip you to be ministers, to be servants, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Meaning this, that God intends for each member of the family to grow up to become like Jesus. And he uses us, he uses us all to do that. And to function as a family member is to be involved in that to have that be the calling that you walk out. Does that make sense? Is that exciting? That's an awesome calling to have. That's what it means to live as family members, to help each other become more like Jesus, and to walk that way, and to interact that way, to invest in each other that way, to the full measure and stature of Christ, to grow the family of God. That's what God's called us to do. So how do we do that? Practically, where do we start? Where do we start? 
Well, I think, I think like Kevin just said, it does start with us getting on our knees before God and confessing and allowing God to strengthen us and to show us how much he loves us and let him change the environment of your heart. And then the next step is to start get connected with each other. Church isn't about this. It's not about one person up there and everyone like this. It's about us together. That's it. It's about a family of, of believers that are helping each other become more like Jesus. And we all have different parts to play in that. And ministry is servanthood. It's serving each other. It's picking fleas off of each other. Knowing that sometimes they're going to try to jump on you, the fleas. Or the cat. And that's our calling. And that's what, that's what we need to be doing. And I think the great place to start with that is life groups. It really is. And I've said this before. I think life groups are more important than Sunday mornings. I really do. Because then when, when you're in community together during the week, then the Sunday morning is a celebration of what God is doing in the midst of community. And it becomes truly a celebration. So we're getting late, so I'm going to pray and uh, I'm going to dismiss you guys. And um, bef- first, I'm going to dismiss the, the kids, uh, parents who have kids. And I want John just to share a little testimony uh, to those of you who can stay for a minute. It's just two minutes. Um, and we'll send you off to music, to, uh, to a song. Uh, so God, I, I just, I pray that you would unite this family together. God, that, that we would be willing to lay everything out before you and to say, my life is not my own. That you have shown us such love and mercy that, that you took us from a life of destruction and have given us an, a new calling. That you have given us a calling to grow the family of God. And I just pray that you might strengthen us that you might dwell richly within our hearts and change the environment of our hearts so that we might have the desire to live this out. God, show us some practical ways how we can do this. God, help us to see how we can have margin in our lives to do this. Help us to say no to things, God. Help us to, to put aside things that, that don't grow us spiritually. God, this is so important. This is essential. Give us the courage to live this thing out. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com.